Hi everyone. It's wonderful that now you can continue enjoying your meal while we're having Theology 101. You don't have to decide between fellowship and, uh, and Theology 101. So um, this is our first formal Theology 101 because last week it was more of a special presentation about our parish um, and the future of the parish. And so the format of Theology 101, many of you know, but it's uh, during Sunday school, we get to learn as adults. And so it's kind of, you could call it Sunday school for adults, but hopefully a little bit more enlightening. Um, so today I'll be talking about prosphora, and this is uh, the loaves that are prepared for the liturgy, each liturgy. This is what it looks like in saran wrap. We'll be taking it out of saran wrap soon. I'll be describing everything that's in it. Uh, we have our patron saints of Prosphora baking, which are Saint Spiridon and Saint Nicodemus of the Kiev Caves. And um, I'll be telling you everything about it. So let's back up a long ways to the beginning of creation. So in the beginning of creation, we recall there were Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve then, after they left the garden, they had two children. Their names were? Cain and Abel. We all know the story of Cain and Abel, right? And what did Cain and Abel do before that horrendous event of Cain? Gifts to God. They offered gifts to God. They offered gifts to God. And there was a little part in there that God did not accept Cain's offering. Now we might say, well, that's so unfair of God. Why would he do that? But what we know from that is that, in fact, Cain's offering wasn't out of the fullness of his heart. It wasn't his first offering, his best offering. And so we see from that situation that, um, that God then did not accept that offering, but rather the offering of Abel, which was the first, the foremost, out of the fullness of his heart he offered to God. So uh, we go through the entire story of humanity. We know that Noah offered after, the, after being delivered from the flood. There are many offerings throughout the Old Testament. And then we have the actual building of the temple in Jerusalem, uh, which was a concrete place where they could offer to God, offer sacrifices to God. Um, and all of those offerings, all offerings to our God, were four types, were images of the one offering. And that one offering is our Lord Jesus Christ. So every offering that was offered to God, it was an offering from the people to God and thanks for what God has given to them. And ultimately, God in His great mystery of our salvation, He as human makes an offering from the humans of Himself. It's a great mystery. And so Christ is the ultimate offering, and all offerings before that and all offerings after that to God are through the lens of Christ. Okay, you can pull up chairs in the back if you'd like. Uh, we, we have more chairs over there. Sorry, if you want to help. We have lots of chairs here, too. Okay, good. Um, so in Christ, we see this perfect offering. He's also called the Passover lamb. 
because as you recall again in the, the book of Exodus when the people were being delivered from one of the scourges to Pharaoh and the, the Egyptian people they were to sacrifice a lamb and, and put the blood of the lamb on their doorpost so that their firstborn were not killed so um, Christ is that offering he is that great offering so when we talk about prosphora that's a Greek word, prosphora. Can we say it together? Prosphora. Yes. Prosphora, pros means, it's a preposition, so it can mean a lot of things, but toward or forward. And uh, phora comes from the, word, the verb phero, which means to bring. So the bread is called the bring forward. The bring forward. Why? Because it's what is offered forward by the people to God. The interesting thing to note about um, prosphora is this is an offering out of thanks to God for what? What's in here? Wheat, water, yeast, salt, all these things that we offer back to God. We don't just take a bowl of salt, a bowl of water, some yeast, and a bowl of flour, or a bowl of uh, rather wheat seeds, and just offer those back to God. What do we do? We cultivate them. So we take his blessing, which is something that we could not create ourselves. We can't create water or wheat or salt or yeast. And if we take those things, we cultivate them, and then we offer them back to God. And this is symbolic of our entire spiritual life. We're given basic things, little uh, building blocks, if you will, tools, if you will. And those building blocks then, in our own lives, whatever virtues we have, whatever talents or skills that we have, we then offer those back to God, cultivated by our work, by our efforts. Okay? So, um, the, uh, the, the bread, most notably, is offered by the people. We don't go to Fred Meyer unless it's an emergency. That's another story for another time. Uh, we don't go to Fred Meyer and buy bread and bring it to the church. Partly because, yes, it does need to have this seal on it that I'll show you in greater detail in a few minutes. Um, but partly also because the offering is from the people. So, and likewise with the wine, the wine is properly offered from the people. You can always make an offering of communion wine, which is, they have that in the bookstore. And of course, in older times, we would have been making our own wine, and we would have offered our own wine. So it's an offering from the people. Um, what is the bread called? Before liturgy, it's called prosphora. The same bread cut up afterwards is called? Andidoron. And that is another Greek word. Anti means, in, in this case, instead of. And voron is a gift. So it's instead of the gifts. Because historically, this is what was given to people instead of receiving communion, when they couldn't receive communion. Now it is common practice that those who receive a communion also receive this. But So this is the gift that is brought forward before the service, and then after the service, it's given back to the people as the instead of the gifts. The gifts referring to the body and blood of Christ. So... Okay. Any questions so far? Anything? Okay, so now we're going to get a little bit more hands-on. Okay? So uh, the bread itself is made in the traditional ways that bread are made, with your hands. You can use a machine as well. We have How many prosphora bakers do we have here? There's one. There's one. There's one. So... Um, 
baking the prospera is a very blessed process because what you're doing is you, with your own hands, are touching what will become the body of Christ. Think about that. You are touching what will become the body of Christ. And so it's an immense blessing to be able to bake prospera. And um, that the process of baking it uh, is something that is done prayerfully. Uh, one can have an icon. There are prayers that can be said beforehand. Uh, this is a wonderful book that describes that, um, how to make prospera. Um, you have noticed, I'm sure, that our bread is not flat wafers. It's, it's leavened bread. And this is because the word bread in Greek, artos, means leavened bread. So the church has always understood that communion is only with leavened bread because that word in the Bible is artos. And if it wasn't leavened bread, it would have been a different word for bread. So does that make sense? So that's bread, the four ingredients being, again, water, wheat, um, flour, and salt. And those are the only four ingredients. Okay? So um, at this time, I'm going to move myself over to that table there and invite people to um, watch from your seats, or if you can, if you'd like to stand around, as long as we keep one side open for those who are seated, I'm going to show exactly what is done at liturgy. Can you take this over, both of those? have to turn your chairs. You can bring chairs around however you want to. You can stand behind here as well. That's fine. Okay. So inside the altar, um, if you're looking at the altar to the left, and at any time after the service, you're welcome to, when you come up and receive the blessed bread, if you just want to kind of hang around and look inside the altar, that's fine. It's okay. It's okay, as long as it's not, as long as it's done in a reverent manner. Um, and inside the altar, to the left side, if you're looking at the altar, there's a small table about this size. It's more this height, but we'll work with this. Um, and uh, so that will be for you when the time comes. And on this table, there's the chalice and the paten. So the, the chalice, this is the chalice. Okay, which we won't be using, but I just wanted to show you what it looks like at the table. And this is the paten. The paten is just a raised plate. And this is that upon which we place the loaf. And these are the coverings that we would use. So the first part to describe for you is what is on the loaf. If we can get this off. And this loaf was specially made for this class, just so that you know. This wasn't something that was going to be offered as for uh, communion, okay? So on the loaf here, so this is called the spear, and this is used to uh, do some of the cutting. And I'll hold this up as well, okay? So this is a wooden seal. This is what is pressed into the, the dough to make the seal that then rises on the dough as it's cooked. So this is going to be confusing, but I'll still point it out because you can see better. Um, this is, let me turn it, it's backwards. 
Why is it backwards? Because you're pushing it down as the seal. Okay, so I'll set it here. I'll describe some things that are on the loaf, and then you might be able to see them a little bit better there. I'm trying to keep it straight up and down, but okay. So the loaf itself, in the very center, this is called the lamb, the center square. And this is the part that in a few minutes I'll cut out and I'll show you. Again, I won't be saying any of the prayers. I'm not vested because we're not preparing for communion at all. This is just a piece of bread that was made in the style of our offerings in the church. Okay, to be very clear. So the centerpiece is called the Lamb because it becomes the body of Christ, who is the Lamb. And you'll see that there's a mirror image of these on the top and the bottom. These are here, so you can see. So there are three of these. And what each square says is, in English letters, I-C-X-C-N-I-K-A. What does that mean? Yes. Yeah, conquers, victor, yeah. So um, the, these are the first and last letters of his two names in Greek. Jesus Christos. So those are the two letters of his, uh, of his first name, two letters of his, not his last name, his title, really. Forgive me. Uh, and then this is just referring to what he is. He's a, the conqueror. He's the one that has a victory over death and over Satan. The reason why there are three of these, uh, a practical reason, two practical reasons. One is because there are a few times of the year when we prepare more than one lamb. And that's in Lent, when we have the pre-sanctified liturgy, pre-sanctified. The gift is already sanctified. So on Wednesday or Friday when you come for pre-sanctified liturgy, already in the altar is the body and blood of Christ. Okay? Um, because the previous Sunday they were sanctified. So what happens on those Sundays is there will be three lambs all on here on the one patent. And one will be placed into the chalice, or the two chalices, and the other two will just be dipped with the wine and then set aside, reserved for the, the following services. The other practical reason is that sometimes loaves have bubbles inside them, or they break apart, so I might cut out the center and then it kind of crumbles. Well, then I'll need another lamb, and so that's why there are these other symbols here. Okay? So then this here on the left side, which is okay so now think about this if this is Christ right where is this in relation to Christ on his right who is seated at his right hand his mother that's right and so thus this is the piece that is reserved for his mother which I'll be cutting out and it's a large triangle and then on the left side there are four smaller, I'm sorry, nine smaller triangles. And these symbolize all of the, the sanctified. So uh, well, I'll tell you about it as I'm cutting them out, okay? Any questions so far? Yes? How are the, the lambs that you're reserving um, kept? For oh, for pre-sanctified liturgy, there's actually a container called an artophorion. It just means a, a bread box, basically. Yeah, but it's uh, silver. And so we place it inside that box, and then it dries out slowly for the next couple of days. And then that, those gifts are then placed into a chalice with some additional wine as well. So, yeah. 
Yeah, so during Lent, if you're very perceptive at one of the few times when I'm not standing in front of the altar, if I step to the side, you'll see there's a little silver box next to the candles. And that little silver box, not the tall tabernacle, but that little silver box is what has the, the gifts. And actually the tabernacle, which is the, the, the tower sort of thing on the altar, that has the reserved gifts. Every Holy Friday, an additional lamb is, is reserved. And that lamb is then dried out, broken into small pieces. And that's what's given to those who are homebound or sick or in the hospitals throughout the year. So, yes. The pre-sanctified? Good question. We do the pre-sanctified liturgy during Lent because it's a time of greater contrition, a greater somberness. And so things that are more festive, like a liturgy, don't occur during the week. But it, it, the, the church always in her mercy, so we don't have normal feast days during Lent other than uh, Annunciation is pretty much it. In some traditions, you might have the 40 martyrs. Um, but we don't do liturgies during Lent, but then the church in her wisdom said we need the strength of the body and blood of Christ. So we can't do something as festive as a liturgy, but we need that strength during Lent. So the church created this service, which is the pre-sanctified liturgy. So which is kind of similar to a vesperal liturgy. But again, there's no part at which the gifts are sanctified. So, yeah. Can you elaborate on, as long as a liturgy is being held, why do you not then do what, what you would on, on Sunday and in the preparation of the days? What do you mean? What's effectively so during, yeah, during the pre-sanctified liturgies, why would you not uh, do this? Oh, why would I not? Okay, so you're asking why the pre-sanctified liturgies are as they are. And the reason for that is because a full liturgy is very festive. Okay. It is indeed festive, and so it's joyful. And so the bringing up of the gifts to be offered to God, and then he comes with his Holy Spirit and makes them into the body and blood of Christ, that's a very festive thing. So we, we forget that, but that's why. So, yeah. Any other questions? Okay, so we'll start cutting. So I'm going to move these apart a little bit so that hopefully you can see better. So the first part that's cut out is the lamb itself. So there are prayers for every single movement that is done in the preparation of the gifts. So before that, uh, I hold the gifts up, I say a prayer. Then I do the sign of the cross three times with the, the lance, with the spear. And then I cut into the loaves. And these prayers I will mention to you, um, they're from the Psalms. And it, um, the, the prayers are, um, let's see, as a sheep he was led to the slaughter, as a blameless lamb dumb before his shears, he opens not his mouth, in his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? So that's directly from the Psalms, but you see how the fullness of it is, is now realized in this preparation of the gifts. And the first cut is on his right side, which is my left, but Christ's right side. And then the four sides are all cut. In the real person with you, would you be using a lance for this instead of... Depends. Actually, in common practice, it's with a knife, but also can be done with a lance. So, um, so then the lamb comes out, and then the bottom is cut off. And the reason for this is then, with this, it's cut into four. So I cut from the bottom, going to, towards the top, but I don't go all the way through. 
just down and then to uh, assist with the braking eventually a couple of scores so what's happening is on the top face of this it is now scored like perforated so that when the time comes in liturgy for this to be fractured for this to be broken then it's prepared for that so then at this point then uh, this is placed on the pattern and then again an additional prayer that says um, uh, about his being pierced so we take the lance just as Christ was pierced on the, the cross and we pierce him where on his right side okay and then we say and blood and water flowed out in his testimony and he who saw is born witness and his testimony is true and that's the point at time in time at which I would take the chalice and I would fill it with wine and, and a touch of water as well because wine and water you know the, their blood and water came out of Christ so there's a question someone raised a hand okay yeah so then once that's prepared then all the rest of the body of Christ is assembled now when I'm saying the body of Christ I mean the church so all of the church is assembled here, here on the patent. There's a question. So if you have like a lot of communicants, you can cut it like a right? Yeah, so sometimes what will happen is, um, I can sort of show with this other part I'm not using. Is the seal always the same size though? Yeah, it can be a little, you can go a little bit wider, but you don't, wouldn't want to go too wide because you have the other parts of the loaf that are needed. So um, sometimes, if, if more is needed for a greater number of communicants, then it can be cut like this. So, you see, that's just one side. Okay, so then we cut for uh, the Panagia. And again, a prayer with every movement that occurs at the Proskomidi. Okay, and then when this piece comes out, so this is the, that triangle, and it goes to where? Still to his right side. Okay, and then for each of these nine um, orders, if you will, the, the first, and again there's a prayer for each, these are little triangles that are cut out. The first is for the archangels and all angels and, and bodiless powers. The second is for the prophets, starting with St. John the Baptist, the greatest of the prophets. The third is for the apostles. And some saints are mentioned each time, like with the apostles, it's, um, it goes, uh, for the holy glorious apostles, Peter and Paul, the twelve and the seventy, and all the holy apostles. So some saints are mentioned with each of these commemorations. The next is for hierarchs, the, the chief of those being the three hierarchs. And the next is for martyrs, beginning with the first martyr, Stephen. And the next, then, is for... There we go. The next is for ascetic saints, monastics. The next is for uh, wonder workers on mercenaries, healers like Pandalemon. The next is uh, sort of the, the final, um, those who are closest to Christ. So we commemorate his, uh, the mother and father of the Panagia. We commemorate uh, Joseph, who uh, um, uh, Simeon, who held Joseph. Or, I'm sorry, who held Christ. We commemorate Joseph, and then we also commemorate the saint of the day. So whoever the liturgy is commemorated for today, it was Saint Kyriakos. And then there's one more here, and this last one is for the saint who composed the liturgy. 
So the vast majority of the times, this is St. John Chrysostom. There's also the liturgy of St. Basil that we commonly use. But there wouldn't be a commemoration for St. Gregory who wrote the pre-sanctified liturgy because we don't do this at the pre-sanctified liturgy. So. Okay, so is this the whole body of Christ? No. No. What's missing? Us. Us. The entire body of Christ throughout time. So what happens next is then um, this piece that was cut out of the bottom is used, this is called the ipsoma, means uh, like near the body. Um, so this, uh, this piece here then is uh, little crumbs are taken off of this. Um, and this, uh, each crumb symbolizes a person. So during this time, I'll have a long list of people to commemorate. All of the people in our parish are commemorated. All those who have departed within the parish are commemorated. Um, and so uh, the first that are commemorated are the living. And so at the very beginning, the first one that's commemorated is our own hierarch, Metropolitan Eurasimos, and then all of the living. And I just continue saying names until there's a, a you know, substantial pile here. And then we continue on to the departed. And the departed, um, in many practices, it's another um, small pile, if you will. In some practices, it's all together. And so we commemorate all of the departed. So... And all of your names are commemorated here. Um, and then so when it's finished, this is what it looks like. I can bend it a little bit so you can see. Okay. Any questions? Is there a reason we don't say Visimens Alpidophoros? Good question. Yeah, so Alpidophoros, because of the, the administrative structure of the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese, he is more of our um, figurative head of the church in America. Our direct hierarch is Metropolitan Eurasimos. So there's only one hierarch that's commemorated properly. And so uh, our one hierarch is Metropolitan Eurasimos. If the Metropolitan were doing this, would he commemorate? He would commemorate his hierarch. Who's his hierarch? Patriarch Bartholomew is his hierarch. So he's actually not, this is more of structure of church, he's not actually under Archbishop Elpidophoros. Because again, that's more of an administrative oversight. So there, all of the Metropolitans and the Archbishop are directly under the Patriarch. In other churches, this is different. Like in the Antiochian Archdiocese, there, um, you only commemorate Metropolitan Joseph, who is of all of North America. And the other bishops are like auxiliary bishops. So, yeah. No, that's good. Uh, no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't uh, Gregory Nazianzus. Theologist. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so then uh, after this is done, then the covering occurs. So, here you go. The role that Ted always has is cutting our, our bread. So he'll be cutting this. I'll give this out to you just as a blessing. It's just uh, a bread that I'll say a little prayer over. It's not endideron. It's not prospera. You can cut it wherever you'd like. Yeah, or you can go back to the other table. Um, so then the covering occurs, and for the covering to occur... I'm going to use your knife. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, then the censer is brought over. So the, the censer is brought and everything is sensed with incense. First that's placed on is called the star. 
the star. And this has a very practical function. What's the purpose? Yep, you can't put cloth on here if you don't have that. So that's blessed uh, on the sensor. Then the first cover covering is blessed on the sensor. It's starting to look like what you see in the, the great entrance. And then this wouldn't be here. And then this covering then is placed on after being blessed. And then the final large covering is placed on. And this is the point at which now a liturgy could be started. Now there are some exceptions. When you have a hierarchy, sometimes this happens a little bit later, even within the liturgy. But on a normal liturgy, this, is now, this now means we're ready to start liturgy because the gifts have been prepared. Um, and then when they're processed around the great entrance, this is on deacon's back. You've seen that? And then um, these are held. And then as soon as we come back into the altar, this is placed back on without the smaller covers. And then eventually in the liturgy, all the covers are taken off after the Lord's, after the creed. Yes? What? Why is that placed on the It's just a practical thing. We've got to bring it with us. Yeah. <laughs> there, I, I'm sure that there are symbolic meanings for it as well, but it is very practical, just simply that we need to bring it with us. So, um, It also, uh, our uh, uh, liturgical professor used to say that the great entrance is a big U-turn. We start in the altar, we go out from the altar, we go back in the altar. Uh, historically, that's not what it was. There was a separate building and room, at least in the great church of Hagia Sophia, where the gifts were prepared. So it was actually a procession from one place to another place. But in our, our common practice, all of that occurs from the, the, the sanctuary and back into the sanctuary. So that's pretty much it. I wanted to give some... Uh, insight into this, partly so that all of you know what is occurring each and every liturgy, but also uh, importantly and partly because we would always appreciate those who would bake prosphora. So if you feel that you would like to learn how to do that, we'll be having classes in the near future. Um, I don't have them scheduled yet, so we'll let you know. But in the meantime, if you'd like to learn, come and see me, and I will connect you with someone who's already baking so you can learn one-on-one, -on -one, which is a, a good way to learn anyway. Uh, any other questions? Yes? This is all done before the service, yeah. And in fact, you, you really, logistically, you cannot do this during the liturgy. You could do the very last steps of the covering. So when a hierarch comes, it would be sitting just like this because he has to do his commemorations. I'm sorry, this wouldn't be here. So he does his commemorations. And then, um, and that sometimes will happen, oftentimes it will still be during Orthros, but sometimes that will happen during liturgy. But that's it, because all the rest needs to be done beforehand. Um, and that's why we always have pre-communion prayers if we don't have an Orthros, because the priest needs time to prepare the gifts. So, yeah. Yes. 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 So in the Russian tradition, um, in some Russian traditions, it's a common tradition. In the narthex, when you get your candles, you can also pay for a small. It would be like, um, and I don't think it would have all the sides on it, but it just, yeah. What? Oh yeah. Okay. So there you go. So it's just the the ICXC NIKA. Um, 
and that would then be the offering. So like how I took out a little piece and that was for commemorating the living and the dead, um, then uh, instead the priest would take a loaf and take the names that came with that loaf and commemorate those names and then set that aside and then another loaf and commemorate those names. So it's just a different practice. Yeah. Yeah. When you're commemorating those names, is somebody else turning the little sheets of paper? Like, I'm always kind of Yeah, not, not really. If, if people write on a piece of paper, they need to commemorate. Uh-huh. And you're doing... It's just sort of all... Different priests do different things. I prefer to set them all out, and so I have them all out. But sometimes it'll just be commemorating, then um, you know, putting the lance in your other hand and moving to the next sheet like that. So it's not a huge number of sheets, and we're uh, that's a, a plug as well. If you have not emailed the parish office with commemorations for your family members or loved ones, please do because we're starting a new commemorations list. Everyone who's in the parish is already commemorated, but especially for those who are like godchildren that are far away or grandchildren that live somewhere else or deceased uh, parents or grandparents. So Orthodox, yeah. In the liturgy, only Orthodox names can be commemorated because this is the fullness of the body of Christ. So in other services, there is an opportunity to commemorate other names. So any other? Yeah. Where? Convents? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so what I, I, I didn't show on here, I can show on here. In some, some monasteries, these little triangles are individually cut out and they're kind of given out to people. Or a second, because in most parish practices, do you have any idea how many loaves, Ted knows, but he can't answer, how many loaves we use every Sunday? Six. Six loaves every Sunday. Weekday liturgy is one to two loaf. You get an idea of the quantity that is needed. Christina has an idea. Yeah. Yeah. Post. Um, yeah, so again, this is open to anyone. If anyone would like to learn how to bake, um, please feel free to approach me. Our other choice is that we can just do one loaf a week and each of you can get a piece about this big at the end of the service or maybe smaller. Um, so uh, there, another question, yeah. Oh, so is everything that is on the patent 
given to the faithful when they're communicated? Oh, good question. So only the lamb, only the body of Christ then goes into the chalice. Sometimes on weekday liturgies we might place everything in, but the only thing that you receive as a communicant is from the lamb, always. So uh, these pieces, after the, after the communi- uh, communion is given, they're placed into the chalice, and then the priest or the deacon consume them with, with the rest. Yeah. Is there a reason why the Panagia is a triangle? I don't know. That's a good question. The question is why the Panagia is a triangle and he has stumped the priest. So I'll have to research that. Yes? There we go. Uh, we, we, we don't cut ourselves. <laughs> no. The question is, if you were to cut yourself, actually, no, once uh, when I was in Las Vegas, the more dangerous job is, <laughs> is not this. The more dangerous job is this, cutting this. As you know, if you've worked with knives, what's the most dangerous knife? Serrated. Well, no, a serrated knife. A dull one, too. Serrated knife is much more dangerous. So I've cut myself doing this because we didn't have someone in the back of the altar when I was in Las Vegas. And yeah, I would have to put on a bandage and make sure that there's nothing that could go anywhere. It was a, a small cut. But, the lens itself is yeah. not very sharp, right? Uh, well, it should be sharp, but I mean, I can't really... I can't really cut myself very easily with it. Um, so it's not sharp compared to a knife knife. But, um, yeah, you just... There we go. So, yeah, any other questions? Yeah. Okay, perfect. So this is our time. So Christ our God, bless the food of your servants, for you are holy always, now and ever. Amen. Uh, please just feel free to come up and, and take, okay? And God bless all of you.